0: To the second annual, unfortunately, edition of the Tayshawn's Muscles podcast. I say unfortunately because, guys, I think you'd agree with me when I say we tried our best to get together to record throughout the year, but I mean, we had various logistical issues. It just never happened. But we had to get the gang back together because I think the NBA draft is my single most favorite, most anticipated event of the, of the whole year. And in fact, recently, I ranked all the NBA events. I'm a nerd. And number one was the draft. Um, just for curiosity's sake, number two was the finals. Number three was opening night slash week. Number four was the conference finals, I think. Number five was free agency. Number six, trade deadline. I mean, the NBA has a ton of exciting stuff that happens through the year, but the draft is pretty much number one for me. Um, so anyway, the, the point is, since... Kevin Durant in Game 3 hit that pull-up Jimbo. Devastating. I've just been thinking nonstop about the draft. But uh, before we get any further, I'm Dan Croshaw, and this show is sponsored by Recycle With Reason. Recycle With Reason is a 501c nonprofit organization in Portland, Oregon. Oregon, along with many other states, has a bottle deposit program. Every time you purchase a soda, a water, juice, beer, wine bottle, whatever it may be, a 10 cent deposit is included. You only get your money back though if you return all your recyclable bottles to an official redemption center. Who has time for that? Millions of dollars go unredeemed every year in Oregon. Recycle with Reason partners with neighborhoods and businesses to collect bottles and cans that would otherwise go unrecycled and then donates the deposit money to local charities. Sounds good. Check out RecycleWithReason.org for more information and to sign up. You can make a difference. Your cans make a difference. Okay, now I will introduce my co hosts First here in studio is my man coming from northern Utah, the most left-hand dominant pickup player you will ever see. Great hair, David Locke disciple, Cole Gorange. Cole, what's up? And what did you think of that intro?
1: Hey, well, thanks, for, thanks for having me on again. It's a pleasure to be here. And uh, of course, after last year, Donovan Mitchell
0: makes it all better. So here we are. All right. Also via telephone, the low cross spin move champion appeared recently on Blazers Outsiders TV show, Intramural Hero. It is Trevor Wooler. Trevor, what's up?
2: Man, I'm just honored to be back. It's, it's, a real, it's a real privilege on my part to be a part of the Tayshawn Muscles community.
0: Okay, guys, so we're really excited about how this draft pod is going to work. It's going to be an NBA mock draft like you've never heard or seen before. We're talking on any of the other (gasps) major podcasts. It's going to be an auction draft, which those that have played fantasy sports will be familiar with, both basketball, football, any fantasy sport. Each of our hosts, Trevor, Cole, and I, will be in charge of 10 NBA teams. But instead of going pick-by-pick like a normal mock We will be going player by player. We will be taking turns nominating players and making bids on acquiring their rights. Like they're going to be up for auction each player. So each of our teams has been awarded a budget to spend on players at these auctions based on the draft slots that our team has and basketball references expected wins above replacement stat. Now, those that are newer to basketball might not know what wins above replacement is. Wins above replacement, commonly referred to as war, is just a measurement, a statistic that measures your overall contributions to the team and specifically to winning. So the higher your war is, the higher your wins above replacement, the better a player you are, the more you contribute both on offense and defense. So for example, the Suns this year, have both the 1st and 16th picks. Basketball Reference expects players drafted in the 1st and 16th slots to contribute over their careers a wins above replacement of 77 and 24 respectively. That's a 77 wins above replacement for first pick, 24 for the 16th pick. So Trevor, um he's the Suns GM. He will have a total of one hundred and one dollars so seventy seven plus twenty four to spend at auction to pick any two players uh makes sense, guys. Anything I forgot any other rules you anticipate coming up this sounds good to me Trev sound good
2: uh just to clarify we're we only can for all the listeners out there. the number of picks per team is the number of picks that they will actually have in the two thousand and eighteen n b a draft so we can't split up our money and be like, oh well I have a hundred and three dollars for the Suns, so I'm just gonna get five wings from picks twenty to twenty five. It has to be it has to match up with the number of picks they actually yeah, have. Yeah, you to can draft. only make
0: two picks. That's a really good point. And for some teams, like for example, the Hawks have three picks in the first round. So Cole is the GM of the Hawks and he has ninety one dollars with which to spend for three picks. We're gonna be starting with our first player to be nominated, which we're gonna start with the Suns. And then we're going to take turns. So Trevor is the GM of the Suns. Cole is going to pick the second player to be nominated, and then it's going to go to me. And we're going to just going to go all the way around taking turns nominating players. So Trevor is going to start by nominating a player for the Suns. What do you got, Trevor?
2: All right. So with the first, the first nomination, the, the Phoenix Suns nominate Luka Doncic. Uh, hey, Cole, did I pronounce that name right?
1: So I've heard of a k- couple different variations. Uh, David Locke, who Seriously? went to coffee often with um, Igor Kokoshkov as the Utah assistant, always pronounces it Donkich.
0: Oh, interesting. Yeah, I've heard it Donchich, Donkich, Donchich. Donchich most commonly, but coffee whatever. We know who you're talking about. Go for co- it.
2: Coffee talk's pretty is pretty accurate, so we'll go with that. But I'm nominating Luca. The Suns will throw out $40 to start the bidding.
0: All right. I assume that that's going to go up. So just... A word. We have we're using the ringer. Shout out to the ringer. Love their content. We're using the ringers mock draft. Actually, maybe we don't love all of it. Maybe we disagree with some of the picks, but we'll get into that later. But we're using their expected draft slots to give expected dollar amounts for what each of these players should get. So Luca is mocked right now third to the Hawks. And at that slot we would expect fifty six dollars to be spent. But um with that said, does anybody else have a bid? I have a bid if no one else does.
1: I also have a bid, so I as the Memphis Grizzlies want to st- throw in a bid of fifty one dollars. Fifty
0: one, I'm gonna top that's all your money. That's all of it. I'm gonna top that one, the Chicago Bulls, fifty eight dollars. And as the Bulls, as the Bulls GM, I have fifty nine dollars total to spend. So I'm willing to throw fifty eight of those fifty nine dollars at one player and then take whatever's left, whatever flotsam is left for one dollar. Wow. Okay, so it's at fifty nine. Who wants to go higher?
2: uh the suns will go 59 oh you know it's at 58 right you you said 58 yeah. the suns will go 59
0: yeah you can go 59 and i can't top that cole you you're not going there with the hawks i'm not going to go there with the hawks Nope. trevor you're going there with the Kings? so
2: i i also have the kings but um so it makes it a little difficult because i have two teams so i don't necessarily want to like bid against my own teams but in a, in a normal situation, if the Kings really like Luka, they, they, they do have the money to bid for him, 64 bucks. But in my mind, as the Kings GM, I already have another target. So I'm just going to let the Suns walk away with Luka Doncic for 59 bucks, with $3 above expected value.
0: All right. Luka Doncic, the Slovenian superstar, sold for $59 to the Phoenix Suns. And once again, the way that we're running this draft, that doesn't necessarily mean that... Luka Doncic was the number one pick because there could conceivably be another player go later for more money. Um, he just happened to be the first player nominated and $59 is quite the sum. So uh, we're going to have the GM responsible for buying Luka Doncic give an explanation of what he thought was attractive about that player and what he is bringing.
2: Yeah, so Luka, I just feel like um, I kind of have an opposite, I guess, view of when you have the, a top three pick or a lottery pick in the NBA. A lot of people are, would say, Oh sons, you have the number one pick. You you just got to take the risk with Ayton because he kind of has a higher ceiling, but probably a lower floor than Luca. So you just take the risk because that upside's really there. And you have the number one pick. I'm kind of the opposite. I feel like I would want to take gambles at the lower end of the draft, uh, where it's just a lot more hit and miss. But when I have the number one pick, I want to leave knowing I have the surest bet in the draft possible and I guess I'm staking my reputation that I just think Luka has, is one of the safest picks in this NBA draft. And so that's kind of why I went with him. Just I, He, he played this year in the, what's uh, widely regarded as like the second-best league in the world in terms of talent over in Europe. He played for Real Madrid, and he is just killing it in the playoffs right now. He's the most valuable player on the team. And he plays in a style – In the league. Thank you. He plays in a style that's really, I think, transitions to the NBA better than college. College doesn't have a lot of pick and roll game. He's been in the pick and roll his entire life over there in Europe. And he is just, he's, he, I mean, I could go on and on. He has the height and the vision to pass out of the pick and roll to make passes really that not a lot of players in the NBA can. I, this this is going to sound almost preposterous to the LeBron hive, but in terms of like some of his passing that he makes out of the pick and roll because of his height, he makes some passes that LeBron only can make in the NBA right now, and um, he already has shown the ability to shoot threes off the dribble. Um, so I mean, it, it's he's not known as a knockdown knockdown shooter yet, but just he's 18, and he already has the ability to shoot like step back threes and make it at a decent rate. At 31%. it just goes. Yeah, which is which is yeah. fine in my opinion for his for his stage his, uh, his development. It's more about yeah, the difficulty is It's so, gonna be fine.
0: Yeah. Okay, okay. So a little bit to unpack there. Can we go back to the LeBron comparison really quick? Maybe we should uh, we should take steps up to LeBron. Can we compare him to maybe a Ben Simmons first before we jump to the King? Uh, second of well, all,
2: Well, I don't even well Ben Simmons can't make some of the passes Luca does out uh, of the pick and roll. I think.
0: Interesting. But, okay.
2: What? One thing I wanted to add about Luca in terms of his, because one of his question marks is just his defensive ability and his quickness. I, two things to consider. He's, he's People have looked at his games late in the season this year, and he's kind of struggled more uh, guarding uh, guards on the perimeter. He's played 90 games this year. People in college play 30 games. So he's already tripling the number of games. He's 18, and he, he went and he actually improved significantly like his lateral quickness and athletic ability last offseason of this season and because he's still he's still a kid developing so I, I I don't ever think he'll be an elite athlete but I don't even think we've seen the top athletic performance
0: of, of Luca oh, yeah. I agree with that he needs time to rest his body an interesting thing I like from the CJ McCollum podcast is since his season ended he talks about how he's just taking a two week three week maybe it's even a month but he's just totally resting his body it, like it has that much wear and tear and granted cj mccollum runs more than any player in the nba but luca is putting in miles at such a young age and he hasn't had an off season to to really work on his explosion yeah. athleticism so that's a good point
1: and and one more positive that i just want to throw out there for luca Especially in the modern NBA, the ability for a big wing, a playmaking wing like that, to be able to grab the, grab the rebound and go and put pressure on defense and transition. And I think and that's something he loves doing. Exactly. And specifically to be able to hit that three in transition, to be able to have mm-hmm. that and the passing ability, I think just makes it, it just takes him to another level in the sense of just the, the floor.
2: I'm not saying he's going to be, there's some people are saying he's going to be the European Larry Bird. Seriously? I mean I'm not going to make Who's that bold of a take but I I I am going to say that I don't I think I think really at at the minimum he can be sort of like a prime Hedo Turkolo when he was on the Orlando Magic or maybe even like a, a Manu Ginobili when he was kind of at his prime like I I think you you can feel very confident you're getting like a at the minimum an above average NBA starter for 10 to 15 for 15 years so I think he'll fit
0: really well with Devin Booker
2: okay we're done
0: Yeah, and Josh Jackson. So on that pick, we are going to leave in our back and forth with Luka Doncic up for auction. For the remainder of the picks, however, for time's sake, we are not going to be able to do that. You guys don't want to listen to that for every single pick. So we're just going to report the final price and what team they ended up going to. And the GM can talk about if there were any uh, tough negotiations made with their own teams or with other teams. Okay, so with that said, we're going to go to Cole. Cole, you need to pick a team and a player that you're going to be nominating. So, so introduce...
1: <laughs> wait, what am I even saying? Okay, so as the Hawks GM, I nominated DeAndre I- Ayton. Let me try that again. Seriously? So, as the Hawks GM, coming in as our second nomination, I nominated DeAndre Ayton. And he went for $60 to the Hawks, and he, which was well below his $76 expected dollar value. Discount, discount right there. We did have a little bit of a, of a. Oh geez, this is bad yeah. I was ready for this. We did have a little bit of pressure and competition from the Kings, but uh, we were able to outbid them. So we and we feel very good about Aiton. Aiton projects really well in a lot of uh, the categories we want to look at. Uh, number one, we feel like he's a he can score from multiple positions on the floor. He can score the back of the basket, which is definitely a dying art in the NBA, but an important post up skill. He has a mid range jumper, and we believe his uh, three point game to be be very translatable to an nba game there's other couple of things that i just want to throw out there that i know a lot of people have concerns about the defense and as and that is clearly a, still a, a question of concern um but i also don't think that the, the system that arizona ran helped them that much he sort they sort of play that sean miller pack line defense and he he a lot of times played the four position next to Ristich which clearly um, is not going to be the position he plays in the NBA. He is clearly a five, and that's the way that the Hawks are going to most definitely
0: use him. All right. So, Trev, I want to ask you, because you were the only other GM that had enough money to outbid the Hawks for this, why did you choose not to outbid? Yeah. Because, like we said, he came in way below his expected dollar amount.
2: I don't think uh, Aiden's going to be a bust, like a high bust like some other big athletic, picks before, I mean, Greg Oden had the injury, Kwame Brown, other stuff like that, even Anthony Bennett. So because because his offensive game is well-polished, like he already, he can has a, a lot of go-to moves in the post already, and it looks like he'll be able to shoot from three. So even right then, it looks like he can have an offensive game, someone like Carl Anthony Towns or something. But I am significantly worried with his, just his defensive ability. Um, some some of the ways that he looked on defense kind of remind me of Joel Joel in the NBA and at Duke, where he just looks completely God, lost on the defensive end in terms of ro- rotations and where to be and all that type of stuff. And athletic ability will you know is key in the NBA to be a superstar, but that will mean nothing if you can't add it up on the defensive side of the floor. And so, I mean, mental makeup is a big 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 deal for these draft picks and that's why nba teams interview these guys so uh, on and on and so it's kind of hard to do a mock draft when you don't have access to that type of information but just based on film i'm a little worried about that which makes me wonder uh, about his true potential
0: yeah mental makeup is such a big part of these prospects and going into college that was the biggest question about Aiden. that i feel like everyone is kind of forgotten about because he sees the light at the end of the tunnel he sees the big payday coming up I mean he looked highly motivated throughout the season to at least showcase his offensive skills maybe not his defense like you pointed out at at some points Uh, so it'll be interesting to see if he's able to stay motivated if he stays motivated and is able to adjust his game there's a reason why he's mocked everywhere to go number one and the Suns are probably going to take him this week but Okay, for the next nomination, I acted as the GM of the Boston Celtics and nominated Robert Williams. There was quite a bit of banter after this nomination. We had some early bids from the Clippers. The Celtics pushed it all the way up to their dollar limit, which was fifteen. Then had to back out. The Wizards came in with a strong bid of twenty-six dollars, but at the eleventh hour, were outbid by the Los Angeles Clippers for twenty-seven dollars. Robert Williams was sold for twenty-seven dollars. Trev is the GM of the Clippers. Why did you feel like you could offer that much to Robert Williams?
2: Well, actually, I don't feel like I bid too much as the Clippers. His expected value, according to the Ringer Mock, is around $27. So, I, or $26. I only bid $1 more. That's and true. I, and the, I didn't want the Wizards just to get away with this complete steal of a pick. But uh, the one main reason why I did this is because We're talking a lot about athletic with Aiton and all these bigs who have um, athletic ability. He honestly might be the most athletic fit in the entire draft. And I don't—he is the like. If you had to make an NBA comparison for him, it would be DeAndre Jordan. Exactly. And the Clippers are—I like. I think DJ Daj is gone from the Clippers. He only has one year left in his contract. He's going to want to try to go win somewhere. Hot take. Doc Rivers has really, really learned how to utilize. I mean, it's not just him. He had Chris Paul and other good players. But Doc Rivers has been a good coach for DeAndre Jordan and has gotten the most out of his talent and has maximized it, maximized it. And so I, I don't see a better tutor for a year for, for Williams than for going to DeAndre Jordan. And the Clippers are getting an immense talent despite the risks.
0: Yeah, I agree with all that. I see why the Wizards bid for him because John Wallace talked about wanting more athleticism on the interior. So, but they bid to their limit and got outbid. Oh, we would have loved him. <laughs> you know, it, it makes
1: Gortat expendable. It makes all those guys. You know, we can just clear them out and we start it over. But here we are.
0: Yeah, it would. I mean, it would be hilarious if the DeAndre Jordan era was uh smoothly replaced with the Robert Williams, and there was always a hack a target on the Clippers. That would.
2: Yeah, it just make it makes too much sense, right? And they're both from Texas A&M.
1: Once again, sometimes college coaches being a, unable to actually maximize talent. Texas a and I think would sometimes play almost three centers.
0: Oh yeah, on, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say cuz it's kind of like Aiden's situation with Rich. Yeah. Yeah, but Robert Williams was playing with what's that dude that big like kind of clumsy dude Josh whatever. You failed. Yeah, the the paint was very crowded for AM. I mean, th- there
2: is a- there is significant risk in this pick, uh, because there's some questions about, you know, his discipline and other things, but what, the Clippers have two picks at the, at the end of the lottery. So my strategy going in, my strategy going in was to take one risk on a flyer and then the second pick, I'm going to try to get something more solid. But I, I like the, I like the gamble.
0: Yeah. The Clippers have two picks to work with. All right. Uh, Trev, do you want to make another nomination?
2: Okay. So, um, the, it's my turn to nominate a pick and this, as the GM of the Sacramento Kings, we have the second most, uh, money in terms of like for one pick in the entire, uh, in the entire draft. So we used all of our money and we bid it all on Jaron Jackson. We didn't even do a bidding war. We just went straight for it and, uh, no one else could bid any more money. So the Kings select Jaron Jackson. I am like, I was the GM of the Suns and the Kings who in the real NBA draft of the number one and number two picks. And these picks reflect who I think are the sh- the two surest bets in the draft, and then which, Jackson which I think, yeah, Doncic and then Jackson. Jackson, I think, has legitimate defensive player of the year uh, capabilities. Like, I not, and I've I actually done a lot of research on him, and it's not just his athletic ability and his um, IQ on the court that makes me really certain that he's going to be good. Every team has come away impressed by his interviews and just his ability um, off the court and and his mental makeup. And so I really imagine him as kind of like a Draymond Green on a defensive uh, end for the Kings. And the Kings just need someone solid on the defensive end of the floor. They keep flaming out with a lot of these picks. I just I feel like he's the safest bet in the draft behind Doncic. And for once, I wanted the Kings to leave the draft feeling good, that not like worried or on shaky ground. And he has the ability to switch one through five in the NBA. And he is six ten, and he can he has demonstrated the ability to. Do behind the back crossover dribble to the to like to the rim and finishing at the rim. So he he brings packages on both sides before, but this pick is mainly for the defensive end. I think he's a sure bet to be a defensive All NBA player for multiple times in his career.
0: Okay, well this is interesting because we had Aiden Williams and then Jaron Jackson nominated. All three we're going to go back to this are players that were miscast as fours in their college defensive scheme for the most part uh jaron jackson played next to nick ward who was clogging the paint constantly and was still able to thrive albeit in kind of limited minutes but showed all the things he talked about not quite sure about defending ones and maybe i mean we'll see i don't know if it's there yet but i agree yeah, that i think this that's is a, a good hard ask for the kings i agree that a, a safe pick is what you want um i'm excited to see harry giles next year and a harry giles jackson front court i I don't know how much they're still planning on LeBissier or Willie Cauley Stein in their future, but hopefully zero. I think uh, I, I think all the th- Kings are hoping zero.
2: Yeah, like I I don't think Willie Cauley Stein has a long term future at the Kings, and like I said, I just I mean, how do you guys feel? Do you feel like Jackson? I, I I understand that I'm I'm higher than a lot of people in terms of his defensive ability, but he he does seem to be a safe bet in terms of just translating to a solid NBA starter.
0: Yeah, I think mean, it's very true. And no, look, a couple of their young guys are noted for their character right now. I mean, they selected De'Aaron Fox, who has a great reputation off the court. I think they're going for high character guys. They have Buddy Healed, So yeah, I think this works well with their their culture that they're going for.
1: Now, can I just ask one question? So I think it's yeah. it's always, it's becoming more and more important for big men in the NBA to be able to play make-off the short role. Do you think Jaron Jackson can do that?
2: Yeah, I think he can. Um I mean I mean he played a little bit out of his position like Dan said at Michigan State so I don't know that's one question mark you have going in that's why I kind of preface it with I'm picking him mainly for his surety on the defensive side there's still some questions on the offensive side uh what he can do um I I will say though that like in college in just his role he hardly had any pick and roll opportunities True So like he didn't even have the like chance to like showcase that so it's not a positive, but I also don't think it's a negative cuz I just like literally he didn't have the opportunity to even showcase that.
0: Okay.
1: So the the Memphis Grizzlies here. The Memphis Grizzlies here. We nominated Marvin Bagley and we ended up paying $51 for Bagley, which does happen to come in quite a bit
0: under his expected value on the Ringer mock, which was 64. Yep. So and the Bulls were interested, but we backed out. We didn't like the fit with Larry Markkinen.
1: Yeah, I think the very first thing that pops off the off the screen when you watch Bagley is his athleticism, his ability to get off the ground. He 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 works every single possession. I mean, he is all over the place. It, it feels like he has one of those just natural intuitions to be where the ball is. Uh, the other thing about him too is that I once again we we think that his. Shot making is once again translatable to the NBA. I mean, he didn't take that many three point attempts, but the percentages were high. The mechanics seem a little bit—they seem fine for you know a six eleven guy. And I think the motor—I think is just one of those things that just is going to be able to separate him. We do like the fit once again around Conley, around Gasol, hoping you know he can sort of play play that four man
0: position and just yeah. wreck on. I, I was going to ask if you view him more as a four or a five. There is some skepticism about his listed height that he's not really six <gasps> eleven and. The reach isn't that that much. The the standing reach is below nine, so do you, you see him more as a four, or maybe transitioning into a five later in his career. Yeah,
1: exactly. So I think for sure he starts out as a four. Um, I think that's just where he's he's going to have the advantage. Like his first step is also really quick. He has some playmaking ability. Um, I think he's just going to fit way better as a four, especially next to Marc Gasol. We can sort of like play off the play off both play off the two of them together.
2: So I had the um, the Suns who had enough money to outbid for this pick, but. Um, I actually, the, one of the reasons why I didn't is I think Wendell Carter Jr. is the better prospect center from Duke. And I think Bagley has, has a lot of, obviously a lot of potential. And I just, I think he, he uh, projects as a, um, like a four, a four on defense, but I don't know if he can play four on offense. Like, I'm not sold that he's going to really be able to translate his shot to pick and pop in the NBA, uh, three point range. And I'm not, he just hasn't really shown, made me confident that he can really, uh, at dribble that well, uh, and tack closeouts. And, and, and just the one thing though that bring up about Bagley, just as kind of the, the other side is that his role as a team defender has been, as an off ball and help defender has been atrocious at two. So that's the one thing that you have to be, um, considered about. That being said, I think Marcus Saul is the per- one of a great player to, to go and help him learn that because that's one of Marcus Saul's, um, main positives.
0: Yep. Okay, so the next player nomination is going to be made by me as the GM, and I'm representing the Charlotte Hornets, and I am nominating Shea Gilgis-Alexander, and there wasn't a lot of competition for Shea Gilgis-Alexander because I just plopped $32 on the table right from the start because this is the player that I want. Although on the Ringer mock draft, he is slated to only um, have $25, I went $7 over, because I honestly think the ringer mock draft has him way underrated. Uh, Shea Gilch-Alexander, I just, this is just my guy. Like Kentucky, they started the season really inconsistent. He was the least heralded of, um, or one of the lesser heralded players of the prospects that they brought in this year. And he just took the reins and said, I got this guys took over pretty much all the ball handling duties, took over most of the uh, clutch responsibilities. And, the only question I have for him, I don't really have questions about his shot. I think he's a hard worker. I think he'll the shot might not end up being extremely versatile down the line, but I think it'll be serviceable. And the rest of the package that he brings, the smarts, the footwork, the defensive capabilities as well with his extremely long frame. And he has like an 8-8 eight, eight standing reach for a point guard, which is incredible. I also think that Charlotte needs to begin their contingency plan for when Kemba Walker either declines rapidly or when he leaves maybe next offseason or maybe this offseason in a trade. So I think Shea is, um, he'll be a great leader for the Hornets and excited to spend 32 bucks on him.
2: He's, he's, he's one of the, the guys in the draft too that I think a lot of people are too low on. All I'm going to say is the way he manipulates the pick and roll and just kind of the way his movements are, he honestly reminds me a lot of CJ McCollum in terms of how he can dribble and things like that. I don't, I don't know if he's going to be as an elite of a shooter as CJ McCollum, but in ter- like, both him and CJ just have this unique ability to slither through these pick and rolls with these, like, huge amount of of dribble like moves that they he has in his arsenal and I love watching him play yeah, he's, he's like so a, he's a guy play. that I
0: just trust he just gets it done and also I forgot the uh, Kentucky connection I haven't forgotten about Malik Monk even after a disappointing rookie season and I think Shea is a perfect backcourt mate for Malik Monk as well they complement each other really well so I'd be excited about that for the future
1: yeah me too so he does come in at 20 years old already after just one season his freshman season um And I don't, I'm not really sure if he does anything that great. I think there, I mean, wow. I'm not really sure. I'm not really Mm -hmm. sold on him, I guess, is is what I'm going for. I'm not really sure that he really does anything that great. I mean, it's interesting that it has Michael Carter Williams there as a comp because some flashes, I I feel like, I mean, obviously, I think the defense is something that sticks. When you have a wingspan, standing reach, those are definitely things that can stick. Um, Other than that, though, I
0: I cole i'd say um 18 feet and in you're not going to find a player in this year's draft class that has more tricks in his bag finishing both hands yeah. off off both feet quick finishes high floaters over shot blockers and he's kind of a late bloomer so i just...
2: cole, 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 to challenge that as well i think one thing he does really well is his ability to have creative finishes at the rim i i, I from the video I saw and the games I watched his ability to, to shoot floaters and have creative finishes like I think he's one of the best in the draft at that so love the pick Dan all
0: right hey you're up Trev.
2: yeah so as the GM of the Suns I have 43 bucks left and I just I threw it all at Wendell Carter and I got him and I couldn't be more stoked as the Suns to leave the draft of Luka Doncic and Wendell Carter who I think is the like just one of the best all around big guys. Um he's not gonna be as good defensively as Jaron Jackson, but offensively he's super solid. Uh, he's he's a good screener. I'm so looking forward to picking rolls with Luka Doncic and Wendell Carter because I already think he can pick and pop. Uh, he shot well from the free throw line at Duke, which translates good to shooting in the he shot fifty percent from Duke, only on thirty seven percent thirty seven attempts from three, but shot fifty percent and I just I think he's so solid in his offensive game that he's just going to be the perfect complement in the pick-and-roll. Um, my NBA uh, for Luka Doncic, my NBA comparison for him is Al Horford.
0: Yeah, that's been the common comparison. I don't think he's going to be able to slide his feet as well as Al Horford on the perimeter. I do want to say, I think it's crazy that you got both Doncic and Carter. These guys are like surefire top 10 picks, and that's obviously not going to happen in the real draft because the Suns have number one and 16. But in the Tayshaun's Muscles auction mock draft, we make dreams come possible, Seriously? so Phoenix Suns, your future's looking bright. They pretty much, they have, if this comes to fruition, they have a nice uh, nucleus, nice starting five. I guess they're just kind of missing a point guard, but yeah, Carter's a solid pick. Oh, did you guys forget about Alfred Payton? No, we didn't forget <laughs> Alfred Payton. Um, how much do you think, how much money do you think Alfred Payton's going to make on this contract? Um, two, three. <laughs> one. That's... That's
1: downright disrespectful.
2: Okay. Uh about Wendell Carter too defensively. Uh I did a lot of I, I think he's actually going to be slide be able to slide just as well as Al Ford to the NBA. Um uh, I think a lot of it just has to do with technique, but um he has shown flashes and the ability to cover uh players similar to al Four in college, so I think he can do it.
0: I'm pumped to see his new stature. Like he reportedly packed on some muscles since Duke oh, season sure. ended. So I'm excited to see his body transformation. I think the best thing about Wendell Carter
1: is his work ethic. I think he's one of those guys that he is going to put yeah. his head down and he will work hard.
0: Yeah, he's, he sprints from one side of the court to the other too. And he's, he's just he going to put in
1: the work in the offseason. He's going to put the work when he's not on the floor to make sure he, he sticks. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a lot of other yeah. questions about other things, but hey.
2: My favorite Wendell Carter story is that when his team mm-hmm. uh, won the high school championship game and they took the bus ride home, instead of getting off the bus when they got to the high school to celebrate, he stayed on the bus to clean up all the mess that his teammates left. It's kind of a weird thing, but uh, I read that story, and that's been a big part about his interview. So to go along with Cole's point, he is one of the hardest workers in the draft, and I just think also it's a good culture for the sun to just have so many young guys. You need someone like that who you know can set the work ethic.
0: Well, do you want a solid basketball player? Or do you want a Boy Scout? Like, what is this? this is the NBA draft? I was kidding. That, that's the I nice want story. both. Both would be ideal. All right, Cole, you got the next nomination.
1: So I am nominating Colin Sexton, and this is the Milwaukee Bucks. Oh, we were looking for a little bit of a point guard depth, and hopefully a little bit of a score off the bench there. Um, but what happened is the Hawks actually came in and swooped in and actually outbid and outbid the Bucks for twenty-five dollars. They got Colin Sexton, and they already got Aiton earlier, so the Aiton and Sexton, nice. Yep. So the thought behind that is that (laughs) you failed. I haven't thought this one through. (laughs) This is hard. Um, So I really like Sexton though. I know a lot of other people are lower on him. uh, And there are some, there are some, some question marks, but Colin Sexton had a pretty heavy, pretty heavy load on that Alabama team.
0: But I would argue that his Alabama team was not that bad. They returned pretty much all their players from the previous season and didn't make the improvements that they expected to There's a reason they started off as a True. top 25 team. and Colin Sexton is the only reason, though. He carried most of that load, though. I think you could argue that if his usage was redistributed to other players, that they might have been able to carry the same load. You don't think at times there's just the Colin Sexton show? I, I don't know. You're forgetting I mean, about the three-on-five I, I admire... Uh, <laughs> yeah, No, I'm never going <laughs> to get that. The, I admire his fire and... The biggest feather in Colin Sexton's cap for me is his end of season performance after his high school year in the Jordan Camps, McDonald's All America, where he was kind of a class above the rest, especially the other point guards. Like he outperformed Trey Young and some of those other guys. Uh, I kind of, I'm a skeptic of his athleticism. I don't think he's that elite of an athlete. I think he's kind of average NBA athleticism, but he, uh, he could put there. Tick. For $25, that's a nice value. It comes in way under his projected.
2: I think it's good value for the pick, but I just see him. I don't ever see him being an efficient player. Some of the choices he made and the shots he took just were so bad. So maybe he can learn because he's still young. But I see him as a shorter uh, version of Monta Ellis.
1: He didn't have a lot of help around him. He took a lot of bad shots, being the one that was forced into those situations at the end of the shot clock. Man, John Petty's good though. All right. he wasn't actually. He
2: took he took a lot of stupid shots with twenty two seconds left in the shot clock.
0: Okay. Cleveland Cavaliers here. We are going to nominate Trey young and we put all of our money on the table. We put all 38 bucks. Unfortunately we got outbid by the Orlando magic, had a little bit more higher budget than we did. Cole is the GM of the magic. Why did you steal Trey young for me?
1: So Trey young is our one chance at, at getting a, you know, a, a superstar in this draft for sure. Um, Obviously, we d- we don't have Peyton anymore. We don't really have anyone at the point guard spot, unless you count DJ. DJ Augustine. Augustine. <laughs> let's let's cancel that now. But we believe very strongly in Trey Young. Uh, just the ability to bend defenses. He is an exceptional passer. We believe very strongly in Trey Young, though, in in his ability to finish almost at all three levels. We the one question that might be a little bit of finishing at the
0: rim, and it's clearly gonna be one of his an undersized guard. But I have a thought about that. So my big Trey Young take right now is everyone is comparing him to Steph solely because of the range and the bombing potential. I see his comparison more as Kemba Walker because what really sets Steph apart is he is one of the most elite point guard finishers around the rim that we've ever seen. Trey Young is really going to struggle to finish through contact and he's not he's not quite as crafty as Steph around there. I see him more as a Kemba Walker, another another small guard, very very shifty um that struggle sometimes when trapped and seeing making that pass over the defense and struggles to finish around the rim. But other than that is such a dynamic playmaker and scorer. I see kind of Trey Young more in the mold of uh Kember Steph.
1: Yeah, I think that's totally fair too. And and just the juxtaposition that is happening in the NBA between, you know, big men and just smaller guards that can shoot is just pretty interesting to me. And Trey Young really fits that mold.
2: I, I I agree with the with the pick and the you wanted to get a chance as a superstar. I'm a little weary about the sample size at college. Um, just his shooting did seem to tail off a little bit, especially like off the dribble shots or three pointers uh, in the latter half of the season. So I don't know exactly yet how good of a shooter he really is. Uh, defensively, he's going to be a mess his entire career. And so, it, it in my mind, I think it's uh, he's one of the highest ceilings and lowest score, one of the one of the biggest sure. uh, risks yeah. in the draft
0: because right, check of that. It
2: So my next pick, I, I nominated Kevin Herter of the Maryland Terps. Uh, the Portland Trailblazers nominated him. I, I, He was like the one target I really wanted the Blazers to get in the draft. They need wing shooting so badly. I didn't know if I should wait until uh, later in the draft when more money was gone or just go for it, but I bid all my money. But the Utah Jazz outbid me. So Cole, why did you break my heart?
1: Yeah, so we like, we ended up putting him in there for $20, which is a little bit above his expected value. Or no, right that's at. right on. Oh, that's right at right his on. expected value. So the reason we the Jazz loved Kevin Herter is, number one, we are currently sitting in a situation where we realized that playing smaller is better. Um, playing around playing four out around Gobert, I guess, technically is what we're trying to say. And Kevin Herter gives us a, another exceptional shooter. That I mean, he he took so many shots just from you know NBA range at Maryland. Just pull up in transition, uh, coming off pin downs. Like he has, he definitely has the shooting skill set for the NBA. He's a little bit short, uh, as in sense of wingspan. So there's definitely going to be defensive limitations, but watching film, he still moves his feet really well. There were a lot of times getting switched out onto onto
0: smaller guards, and and Herter was able to just stay with him. Yeah, he's more athletic than he looks. I don't I don't buy the Clay Thompson comparisons. He doesn't have the girth that Clay does to be able to compete with like threes maybe. But I love how decisive he is on offense. Like he comes off the curl, he knows exactly what he's doing. And and also along with that, I mean, he
1: is an exceptional passer also.
2: Yeah, I mean, I don't have anything else to say. I, I wanted him so bad for the Blazers. I sorry I Chub. think he's one of the most under I think he's one of the most underrated prospects of the draft. I don't know if he'll be Clay Thompson, but he can shoot and it's not just he can catch and shoot. He can shoot within, like, a motion-moving offense, which is just so big in the NBA. And defensively, he's actually one of the quickest guys laterally there. So, I mean, I think he's a solid bet for a 3 and D prospect in the NBA, as you can get.
1: Yeah, and the Jazz, Jazz just love adding a little bit more depth to that wing position. Dang it, Cool.
2: If I would have bid on, like, Okogie, would you have for that instead? Probably.
1: No, I I mean, Kevin Herter, yeah. Kevin, Kevin Herter was number one yeah, on my up, list. What's but... up, Trev? So Dallas Mavericks here, we nominated Mo Bamba and we, there's a lot of back and forth between the Mavericks and the Bulls, but the Bulls ended up outbidding
0: us actually. So go ahead, GM. Yeah. Bulls here. We're really excited to get, to pick up Mo Bamba. I think the reason that he hasn't been mocked here lately is honestly because most people have had him going top six. But if you were to slide here, I think the Bulls would scoop him up pretty fast. He's theoretically a nice fit next to Lowry Markin and I mean the only other player we have to worry about fit wise is who fits with Lowry um we have some extra money to spend because we do have two first round picks so you're going to be playing two seven footers (laughs) two seven footers yeah (laughs) well I just don't think that Lowry I mean yeah Lowry's a seven footer but I don't think you can get away with him for long stretches at the five so he's going to have to play at the four and you need a five that can cover up some of his uh defensive deficiencies so I think Bomba's a, a good a good candidate as any. We thought about getting Wendell Carter earlier, but we were hoping that Bomba would be available. So we held out and we were rewarded.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, obviously Bomba, just in terms of his length and athletic ability, he, people are saying he could be the next Rudy Gobert with his defensive ability, uh, which maybe is possible. Uh, the, the reason I'm just a little lower on him is I don't think he can ever be a DeAndre Jordan type of rim runner or anything like that. He, he gets, he's pretty weak. He gets like, pushed around a lot. He's actually not like the best leaper in the world in terms of blocking shots or getting rebounds. He mainly relies on his length, which isn't bad at all, but he's just not the elite of elite athletes.
1: And I'll just throw in here, too, that I think there are some concerns with with Bamba. Uh, the the, the three-point shooting Rudy Gobert is definitely tantalizing. However, I think that big men, especially in the modern NBA, derive a lot of their value from being able to screen um, and being able to make any type of playmaking within the paint, whether whether that is just off the short roll or anything like that. And I definitely think there are, are massive limitations with Bomba, especially on the screening side. I'm not really sure he's that good of a screener. He he, he tends to be... Yeah, he's not. And so hmm. I think that d- definitely tends to make me question, actually, the, the value that he's going to be able to drive.
0: Yeah, that's something that's going like to be yeah. there right now.
2: He never really screened at Texas at all, which... Yeah. I mean, if or if, if, was, that, if he's going to be... Yeah. Or yeah, if, or if it was, it
0: was a quick slipping, like slipping, picking, like to a pop. All right, I'm up. Okay, Cavs GM All here. Right. We took our, we took a shot at a potential start earlier with Trey Young. Got outbid. We're trying again with Michael Porter Jr. We're pretty much resigned to the possibility, maybe even fact that LeBron's leaving. But we got outbid again by the Dallas Mavericks. We're not even sure if the Mavericks want Michael Porter Jr. But they just <clears> throat> 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 so no, we definitely from want him. All right, let's let's hear it, Cole.
1: So the intriguing thing is, clear- so, so he went for how much? Forty-seven bucks. Yes, he went for 47. forty-seven bucks. Okay. So clearly, with Michael Porter, we didn't get to see a lot of him, right? We pretty much have Nothing. only high school tape to go off of. However, the offensive upside um, at the four is definitely something that we're going to need at the Mavs. We we believe we can we can pair him with sort of a defensive minus center, and we can sort of run out that front court of Michael Porter Jr. and Oh, like Nerlens Noel. Like Nerlens Noel. You failed but we do i mean we feel like the the skill is there and the the upside on him is tremendous i think there are always questions about the back and how that's actually healing and and what that comes down to um but this is definitely he could he, i mean he could easily be the best player in the draft if his back's healthy i
2: really don't have that much of an opinion of michael porter junior because like i just there's like hardly any tape of him yeah same and I so i don't really
0: i was obsessed like, with watching I, his high school games and
2: yeah but I don't really take much, I mean, high school, I, yeah, I, I understand, but there's like no really good tape of him against good competition, yeah,
1: at all.
0: Yeah, he, he never had to get into a defensive stance at all, or really try that much.
1: And and you just have to throw out everything that you saw in college. Did you know, I, mean, I think he had a 40% usage when he was on the floor. It was the highest of any college. Games. Yeah, it was, <laughs> yeah it, was ridiculous. <laughs> it was ridiculous. I mean, it was he, just, like, what are you he doing? did turn into a chucker in those, but for the most part, I mean, we throw that all out. Next. <laughs>
0: all right. Trevor, you're up.
2: All right. So the Portland Trailblazers, um, as a Portland Trailblazers fan, I realistically have no hope in getting a good wing, which we need in the draft. So I'm trying to like make my dreams come true in this mock draft by just betting all of my money in all these wings I want. So I bet $17 on Kevin Knox, and I knew there was a 0% chance I'd get him, but I said, what the heck? And the Cavs outbid me. They almost doubled my bid and got him for 38 bucks. So, Dan.
0: Yeah, once again Cavs here. We pretty much feel like LeBron's leaving, so we want to take our biggest swing for a star as possible. I will go on the record and you guys can confirm. I back about a month ago when Kevin Knox was being slammed from every angle and was sliding like almost into the 20s in mocks. I stood firmly behind him. I believed in his upside. I oh, yeah. I'm not a big fan of John Calipari and I mean, you look at Kentucky guys that have been held back in their roles. And I think Kevin Knox kind of fits into that. I think he has more off the dribble game than what we've seen. I think he can score at all three levels and he has size. And I think the willingness to compete on defense and potentially become a plus defensive player, I think he's the kind of versatile, bigger wing that you're looking for in the NBA. He might not be above a 22 points per game score. I think that's kind of above his ceiling, but I think he can contribute in a lot of different ways. Uh he's most often compared to Harrison Barnes and Tobias Harris. And that's not the sexiest thing we're looking for for the Cavs, but it's a good start to get the to get the fans excited, I guess.
2: I like the pick. I think I think he he's the highest uh player with the highest ceiling left in the draft and yeah, and I think when he actually gets a chance to really show his skills, not in the Kentucky system, he's he could really he could really flourish. He has the ability to show more than he's shown.
1: So, I'm here with the San Antonio Spurs, and we nominated McCall Bridges. And, oh, sorry, I forgot to add the rest of it. Yeah, so we're here with the San Antonio Spurs, and I nominated M- Mikhail Bridges, and we started the bidding at $23, and we're swiftly outbid by the 76ers with, Trev, who did you go for you again?
2: Yeah, so the Denver Nuggets tried to get him, and we had a bidding war with the 76ers, but they had more money, and so he's Dan's guy.
0: Yeah, the the Nuggets drove up the price a little bit. The Sixers, I think, are the best destination for Bridges um, out of all 30 NBA teams, honestly. They crave exactly what his skill set is. I I feel like I can get my crystal ball out and see exactly what Bridges is going to be in four to five years, and that's the fourth to fifth best starter on a team. I mean, we're not aiming really high. He's not going to be able to do anything off the dribble, we're hoping and praying that the shooting translates because the Sixers need shooting more than anything. And we'll see how much we can get Red, uh, JJ Redick for in the offseason. But we're happy to welcome in Bridges because we have some money to spend and he was one of the top picks available on the board.
1: I think it's a really good pick too. He, uh, I think Bridges translates pretty well as a, just a two-way guy. He should be able to shoot. He should be able to defend. I'm not really sure exactly how a lead he is going to be either of those, but I think they're both skill sets that he's, he has in his arsenal.
0: We're just hoping yeah, he doesn't turn I, into West Johnson. Yeah, what's up, Joe?
2: Yeah, uh, one thing to note is kind of he's he's older. He's one of the older players in the draft, which doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing. But uh, you wonder how much higher his ceiling can go. Uh, but that being said, if he can just do what he did at Villanova, somewhat at the Seventy Sixers, and be a three and D guy, he'll he'll be a great pick.
0: Okay, I'm now speaking for the New York Knicks as their GM. And we nominated Miles Bridges and we're able to outbid everyone else because everyone else spent their money too quickly. So we're able to devote all 36 of our dollars to Miles Bridges. And we like this bit because we we were hoping to get a bit more of a playmaker and Bridges is a bit limited off the dribble. But we like his all-around game, his fit next to Porzingis and Nilakina as well. We trust in his shooting. He shot exceptionally well from the foul line this past year. And Michigan's, Michigan State system, I don't feel like was able to highlight his abilities that much. The paint was clogged pretty consistently. I think he could even play up with his toughness. And honestly, he's just an ox. He's really strong. Oh, yeah. Um and has a little bit of untapped upside. I think he can play next to Porzingis in small ball lineups. And I think New York will love him. So we're welcoming Brit- well, we're welcoming in
2: the one thing I immediately thought of when you made the pick was I think he has the strength and defensive ability to play the four when Porzingis plays the five. So I think I really like the fit in his ability to to kind of be a modern NBA lineup with the Knicks. So I, I really like the pick.
0: I think everyone just honestly got fatigued of thinking about Miles Bridges. He was supposed to be a top five pick last year. And yeah, his numbers didn't go up that much, but I think he showed a little bit more wiggle off the off the bounce. The shooting didn't improve as much as as we hoped for but it wasn't that disappointing of a season, so I think he's no. still a great prospect.
2: Yeah. Alright, I'm up. Cole, did you have anything else you wanted to
1: add? I had zero to add about Miles Bridges.
2: You don't like Miles Bridges, do you? Um Game of the Timberwolves, I nominated Elliot, uh, for Ooh. seventeen bucks and the the Bucks kind of they bid me back and forth for a bit, but I capped out at twenty one and I got him. I'm for the T Wolves. So there's been some rumblings that Carl Anthony Towns isn't doesn't happy. Doesn't want to stay there long term. And I am pretty low on Jeff Teague as like a, a, an efficient, good NBA point guard. And so like I just don't see him being there long term for the Carl Anthony Towns reign. And a Cobalt like legitimately could be the best point guard in this draft. He's an impressive shooter off the dribble. He kind of his step back and pull ups and some of his other stuff is really reminiscent to kind of like a James Harden type of shooter. And he still has a lot to learn. Um, but in terms of like upside, like I, I think there's a, like a, just there's a chance he could be a really good player. Um, and as the Timberwolves, I, I'm trying to take some reaches here to make sure I get the uh, most elite talent around Carr and Sandy Towns to make sure he wants to stay.
0: Yeah. This is a guy I didn't know anything about until three weeks ago. And then I just drowned myself in video. And he reminds me a lot of D'Angelo Russell, except for a couple inches shorter. He doesn't have elite athleticism, but he he has that lefty craft to his game. And yeah, he's a really good shooter, really projectable shot. I mean, ceiling-wise, he could be uh D'Angelo Russell with better work ethic, better defense, better motor.
1: Yeah, I also like the pick. I also like the pick. I'm I'm not sure he's gonna translate super well as a point guard, but I actually was going with the expectation going in watching video I actually liked what his playmaking ability was
0: and that came in so you spent $21 um,
2: yeah I'm out it, fuels are out man I'm freaking killing this draft I'm making you all look like
0: <laughs> so you you spent $21 so it was expected $22 so yeah good value <laughs> Now
1: I am GMing for the San Antonio Spurs. And we nominated Lonnie Walker. And we were able to actually come out on top of that bid with for, for $23. We're very happy with the Lonnie Walker. Um, a lot of it is definitely based on the potential upside of Lonnie Walker. We feel like the, the shot mechanics are there. He didn't shoot particularly well. Uh, maybe actually horrible at... <gasps> at miami but we actually feel that that's partially due to the spacing on the team um some of those shoot first point guards that they did have and we actually feel like the the mechanics are there he'll be a fine shooter and we feel like he's super athletic super long and he's gonna be able to slot right in you know maybe take a little bit of that pressure off of of some of the scoring that we have at the two currently
0: in patty mills (laughs) are you gonna make him cut his hair no way i mean lonnie walker is somebody that in years past, I would have said, oh, yeah, throw him in the Spurs system. They'll groom him. They'll get the best out of him, better than any other franchise. I don't know how much longer, like with the Kawhi situation, Popovich is getting old. Like how much is the vaunted Spurs culture going to last before they revert into an average normal NBA franchise where you can't just take chances on whoever and they all boom. So
1: Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I do feel like the the bust potential on Lonnie is actually relatively low, though. Um, I'm not sure the upside is as high as everyone else thinks, but I feel like he's gonna he just projects as a pretty decent, you know, four or five guy on your roster.
2: Yeah, I mean I don't know if I love him as a pick to some NBA organizations, but with the Spurs, uh well who knows anymore after the Kawhi drama, but uh, just kidding. Uh I think I think he's one of those type of players the Spurs will really just uh, get the most out of his potential. So I really like
0: the pick. Okay. GM of the Chicago Bulls here. We had eleven bucks left and I went with Troy Brown because we have a hole as for we have a need for playmaking on the wing and size on defense on the wing. Uh we didn't really expect to be able to win Troy Brown with only $11. The Warriors came in and bid on him. The Lakers came in and bid $16. The Indiana Pacers, who have $18 in their budget, were so so torn but like another player better. We might get to that later. So they're holding on to their money. So Troy Brown to the Lakers for sixteen bucks to GM Trev.
2: GM Trev, so this the strategy behind this pick is I'm assuming that the Lakers are gonna sign Paul George, LeBron James, and trade for Kawhi Leonard. (laughs) I'm just kidding. I don't know if that's all gonna happen, but I'm assuming a big off season for the Lakers with getting some two stars. And I think Troy Brown, he has some really big limitations, but that's why I picked him for the Lakers. Cause I think he's the type of prospect who's more like a Jordan Dell who went to the Warriors, who is going to flourish in the NBA when he has elite talent around him right away. And like the, the one thing that I'm pretty certain of is I think he can be a Swiss army knife on the defensive end. Like I think he can really, he has a good chance of guarding a lot of ones in the NBA, but can guard two through four really well. And I just imagine like he has good playmaking ability. So I just think he could fit well if the Lakers do add a bunch of shooters around. He's he's never going to be a uh, off-the-dribble type of shooter. But I think his three-point uh, set shot can be respectful enough that if he gets elite talent like Kawhi or Paul George around him, that he can make enough threes to, to make defenses like have to respect it.
0: Yeah, I think the Lakers fans would love him. And com- compelling argument. That would make Rob Polinka proud. Okay, Troy Brown to the Lakers.
1: So, as the GM of the Milwaukee Bucks, I nominated Jerome Robinson, Jerome Robinson from the Boston from Boston College, and I was able to win that with with a twenty four dollar bid. Nobody was fighting you for that. You should be though. So, yeah,
2: I didn't even I didn't even think about bidding. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you guys are disrespecting Jerome Robinson. Man. So, once again, Jerome Robinson is a is a really versatile scorer. I think that's the thing that. We can just you know the Bucks really need once again off the bench just someone who can just score, give them some shooting. He shot almost forty one percent from three during his years at Boston College, and and I just, we just think that he's a really serviceable guy that can you know he can pass from the wing, he can also play make, he can shoot,
0: and he shot really well, especially on catch and shoots. Um, he's a guy that can score. Yeah, the Bucks are an, I guess an okay fit for him because they have enough defensive personnel. Theoretically, I mean, their defense isn't that great, but they do have a lot of supposedly plus defensive players because I think that's where I don't think he'll ever be above average on defense. Uh, but he does offer a lot on offense. Okay, Sixers GM here, and we are going to nominate Aaron Holiday, the point guard from UCLA. And just like the last nomination of... Who was it? Jerome Robinson. <laughs> And just like the last nomination of Jerome Robinson, this was met with little to no opposition. Uh, The other GMs seem to be happy to give me Aaron Holiday. And I think they're kind of underestimating what he can do in a good system with playmakers around him. He's not going to be... I don't think he's going to be a starting-level point guard as far as if you're expecting high usage out of him and high-level operation out of the pick-and-roll. But as a play finisher, he is elite at the college level anyway he finishes well around the basket despite being smaller in size he does have a six seven wingspan and he's one of the best three-point shooters in this draft can shoot it off the dribble curling step backs you name it he can shoot and he's got that pedigree he knows what it takes to win in the nba i'm guessing i'm guessing he talks with the bros so yeah we're happy about bringing in aaron holiday so we got uh, mccall bridges and aaron holiday for the Sixers. And we think that the two of them provide the shooting and floor spacing that we need.
2: I just, uh, do you think TJ McConnell's done as is in the 76ers?
0: No, he still has a year left.
2: I know, but you don't think you're going to resign him?
0: I think we'll see what happens this year. I was honestly just uh, put into the position as Sixers GM about five minutes ago, just getting to this mindset. But we'll see what happens during the year, how Holiday fits and how McConnell progresses with him being Simmons, but we're not making that decision right now yet.
2: Okay. I just don't know. I just don't know if I like to fit at all with Ben Simmons. I just think he's the short guy that may, I mean, maybe he provides the, the shooting that Ben Simmons needs, but uh, as a player, but I, maybe as a backup point guard, if that's what you're trying it to do, but I don't know about like a long-term fit as another starter for the 76ers, but we'll see.
1: And I just definitely think I've I'm always skeptical of small guards that just get worn down yeah. playing in the NBA And, and also just on top of that, I'm always skeptical of guys that in their third year, their fourth year of playing in college, all of a sudden they burst out and they have, you know, they, they average 20 points and they average, you know, in, in 30 minutes game, just the guys that all of a sudden are excelling when they're most of the time playing against younger guys. I think there's just something you got to take at least into account on that.
0: I don't know. I thought he was pretty special on a talented UCLA team last year. He was one of the main reasons why I was critical of Lonzo Ball because I honestly thought that team was stacked and Aaron Holiday was a big reason I thought in a more featured role last year he could have blown up but it kind of got uh, pushed down the line a year but that's just how I saw that UCLA team alright uh, Trev you're up
2: um, so I'm jamming the Los Angeles Clippers now we're using our second pick and I nominated Zaire Smith uh, and I used his expected value is $27 so I just did that and no one else had enough money so yeah,
0: he's my GM, GM of the Pacers Celtics Nets here. And I'm just fuming that we didn't suck more during the regular season, so I think our season. Cause I love that dude.
2: Yeah. So I'm honestly really surprised that I got him. I was expecting to have to go into bidding ward with Dan and some of his teams, but um, I mean, this is, this is a pick that could go really bad, but Thor could go really good. And um, he, he's, he's, so athletic it's crazy uh, the way he jumps and in transition i just it, it's insane and i kind of so initially i wanted to have a safe pick after i took robert williams of the clippers earlier but i'm just imagining imagining those two in transition and just the ability of them to be explosive and have these lobs and other things at the rim and i don't know like zahari smith he i don't think he'll ever really be that good of a shooter um i don't know how much he'll figure it out but if he can tighten the handles a little bit, um, I don't even know how much like more uh, moves he'll need. Because uh, I, I think he can be like a mini Russell Westbrook and just just be a bullet train to the rim.
0: Yeah, I see a lot of Russell Westbrook at UCLA when I see him. And you talk about tightening the handle. Like there is no handle to speak of right now. There's no handle to tighten. So he's got to get a handle first. I think he'll. I think the jumper will develop. Obviously, he shot 45 from three this past year, but. That was on a small sample size, kind of fluky. But that's just a guy I trust to figure things out. If you look at his improvement over the past year, he just, he came onto the scene like out of nowhere, honestly. His on-off stuff and advanced analytics is, he's like leading the freshman class and a bunch of advanced stats. So he made a huge impact on the court.
1: So I think there's a lot of problems with Zaire Smith, to be honest with you. I think number one is the forty-five percent. If you look at that shot, it's not gonna translate with the NBA. There's almost zero chance he's gonna be able to be a good shooter, shooting the way he he did at Texas Tech. The other thing is too is that he's essentially a six four that plays the four. And I have no idea how you're gonna m- make that work.
0: Yeah, I just I just trust the motor and he played mostly around the basket in college and he'll have to shift more to the perimeter. It might take a year, but I just think he'll down the line he'll figure it out and be able to compete. Yeah, this
2: is it. this is not a pick for this year with the Clippers. Uh as you can tell, I'm just really retooling, but I think he has the potential to play a or a, a two in the NBA and it just I, I think just my main thing is what Dan said, his the way he's improved so fast just makes me think he can improve uh even even more in the NBA. We also haven't talked about the defensive side of the ball, uh, which which I think he can be a bully on the defensive side and he posted really good steal and block rates at uh texas tech so i I think he can be we're not even talking about that which he has a lot of potential i mean at at worst he's a shorter tony allen who's just a a menace on the defensive end who can just be a a a menace in transition which not the worst thing a team could have
1: and i do have to say though watching some of the video he had some blocks that were crazy not necessarily
0: like crazy in it the it. sense
1: of like he got up and just like smacked people. It was just I don't know how we blocked him. Like oh, I, I, I just it. don't know. All of a sudden it was like this guy's going up and like he, it doesn't look like he even jumped that high. But yeah, it's, yeah. I, it's just, anyways, I was just impressed yeah, by you're right. the defensive end. The steals. Okay, anyways, um,
2: <laughs> wow, we could we could have used that in your analysis. No, nah, you just I forgot t- that.
1: <laughs> I tore him down. I had to. Everyone was too positive on him. Seriously, so, uh,
2: I respect that. We need that. We so need the that. The
1: Wizards. <sighs> I can I like one more time. Give me like thirty seconds. No, not even thirty seconds. Here we are. I am the Wizards GM, and we nominated Mitchell Robinson, and we ended up putting, putting up. Oh my gosh, I don't know. There's like too many flipping tabs. So we are the Washington Wizards GM here, and we nominated Mitchell Robinson, and we just put all of our money at it for twenty six dollars, and we were able to get him with that pick. I think we outbid everyone else. So the thing about Mr. Robinson is the Withers are in dire need of an upgrade at the center position. Uh, anyone that can actually give us some athleticism, be a rim runner, and we believe that by far he's a, he's the best prospect left in the draft at this point. We believe he can uh, be an elite athlete. He is long, he has a 7'4 wingspan, a 9'3 reach, standing reach, and we feel really good about his length, his ability to rim run like we said and
0: hopefully to make john wall happy by allowing him to throw a lot of lobs i don't trust this dude just for the sole fact that he committed to western kentucky
1: <laughs> who just who just committed to western kentucky this week from the 2019 class yeah somebody else did. I don't remember. but yeah no definitely uh, and and it's sort of weird how he pulled out and just he's been just preparing for the draft ever since uh was it mcdonald all american yeah
0: maybe he just had to get his life in order now he's
1: he doesn't project as much more than that, though. He's pretty much uh, ceiling like DeAndre, Rod- DeAndre Jordan.
2: I just th- I think this is Russian roulette if you're the Wizards because you have no idea what you're getting. But at this point, that's what you have to play. So I hope I hope they get it.
1: And we're gonna move Otto Porter to the Jazz because he's Clay Thompson. that can finish. They can finish at the rim. So take. He's like better at every single well, shooting. You- he's he's better in every single shooting split with than Clay, except for like. Seventeen to twenty-two
0: feet, or whatever. I'm a
1: nerd,
0: but who cares? No one wants that. Oh yeah, no, I th- I think he's way underrated. We had the- we t- texted about this one time. Okay, Chicago Bulls GM here, and our player nomination is going to be Melvin Frazier from Tulane, upperclassman, long, rangy, um, wing defensive prospect. We only have eleven dollars to put on the table, but this guy's being mocked pretty late, and we were hoping we could snag him, and we did. Nobody else was willing to outbid us. well, we got Mobamba earlier, so we're really going with the uh raw offense defensive potential type players, and I think that's good because we have players at the skill possess- uh positions that aren't known for their defense, like I guess we have like Denzel Valentine. I don't know if you consider him part of our future and Larry Markin and guys like Justin Holiday. We have a few capable shooters, Bobby Portis, but we need some guys to um, set the tone defensively. We don't know if we're going to be able to retain David Nuaba And Melvin Frazier, uh, he's a late bloomer, played for a small school, but all the athletic tools are there. So we're going to trust we can bring him in and make him into a defensive a defensive force.
1: Yeah, and I actually I really like this pick. Melvin Frazier is one of those sleepers that I think we're, is going to be the, towards the end of the first round, maybe beginning of the second, who has all the tools. He's long. He's an amazing defender um especially on ball I, I watched a lot of a few of those tapes against uh SMU mm-hmm. where he was up against uh, Milton and he just enveloped him on a few plays and it was pretty impressive I mean Milton no couldn't even get get any airspace on that
0: yeah he showed out at the combine too he played in the five on five and I respect a guy that's willing to play in the five on five in the combine I guess his stock wasn't high enough to really pull out but it's a good sample against other elite college players and i don't think i and i don't think what we've seen so
1: far is his ceiling either i think he he showed a little bit of even even just like you know dive to the basket and the ability to get to the rim i think there's a, a lot of under underutilized potential here in melvin Frazier.
2: yeah so as a gm of the portland trailblazers i almost did and honestly i'm kind of regretting that i didn't get him uh so i'm having some buyer, i'm you having failed. some remorse right now i i like to pick he, we're kind of in the point of the drafting with some of these players that some of them are going to figure him out and some of them won't. It's just kind of a crapshoot right now and if he if he can, if he has the tools and has a good coach, like he could easily become a, a, a rotational player in the NBA. Okay, so GM for the Portland Trailblazers, uh, I need a wing so bad. We have I think the worst wing core in the NBA. And Evan Turner causes oh, me nightmares at night, and I just need someone else who I, yeah, thank you. I need someone else who I can trust who can hit a catch and shoot three. So I I picked Jacob, uh, nominated Jacob Evans, put all my money in. I know he's not the highest upside. Um, he he's never probably going to be able to uh, create well. He's not going to ever create really his own shot. Um, he has an okay handle, but doesn't really have a, a burst that can just get to the lane whenever he wants. But what he is is he is strong and he's he's good length, good height, he's six he's a good frame, and I he has he's shown the ability to really um switch and, and he I think he, he'll be able to defend um in the NBA pretty well switching two through four. And so the Blazers need that, but most of all is I'm just confident that he can be a catch and shoot th- shooter in the NBA. Um, which is what the Blazers need. He they don't need a creator right now with Damon CJ. They have too much like they that's they're going to create every single possession one of those two so they just need someone who can shoot the three but also play defense so
1: yeah and I think he's really gonna hang his hat on the defensive part that you're really gonna have to depend on he's really gonna have to depend on that to really stay on the floor I think
2: I, yeah I think he can hang his hat on that but I, I really think that he's he's a, he's going to translate to be a fine NBA three-point shooter so as long as he can nail down those open threes, that Evan Turner was about twenty feet the closest defender was twenty feet away from him in the playoffs. So I would just rather have Jacob Evans taking those. Man, I'm making Jacob Evans seem like he's this great three point shooter, which he's not like amazing. <laughs> but I mean, he shot he shot forty two percent from three last year. So I'm I think I think he can do it.
0: Yeah, he's a gamer. I could see him in a playoff game next year. He is that's, really... That's he, not out of the question.
1: You definitely did hit on the head that he is really tough. And I, and I do like that side of his game. I am i think the offensive yeah. side is something really to be out to be questioned still, but yeah, we're good. So our last pick here at the Atlanta Hawks GM, we nominated Grayson Allen for the last $6 that we had. And unfortunately for other teams, no one bid. So we are oh my gosh. we were able to grab Grayson Allen and we feel great about this. I think there's a lot of negative pressure that has, happened, that has come down on Grayson Allen. I think it's definitely like he's underrated definitely at uh, 27, which is what he's going at in the rear mock. Is this 2016? No, it's <laughs> <is> not 2016. <laughs> but but bring that into the analysis, I think that's actually really important that as in his sophomore year that he was exceptional in every way. I mean, that was his breakout year. And I think that's important to note that against, even as a younger player, that he was able to bring... T- bring that kind of intensity and that kind of scoring and playmaking and and shooting to the floor now i do think there are some issues with his shooting overall i think he's not the, the most elite shooter and that's fine I'm, I'm fine with that because i think he makes up for it with the other aspects of his floor uh, of his game sorry not floor of uh, other aspects of his game i think there's a lot of hate for grayson but i think when you watch him i think it'd be hard you'd be hard pressed to not say that he's an nba athlete he's an nba player and he'll he'll find his way under the roster and we're fine with that at the end of the first round
0: for six dollars. Well, the Hawks had quite the haul. You guys snagged Aiton, Colin Sexton, and Grayson Allen. Wow. Okay.
1: I
2: think Grayson. I think Grayson Allen's going to ruin the Atlanta Hawks locker room. So I just think you oh, threw away Jake. your pick of DeAndre Aiton. Wow.
0: Locker room canceled I'm, I mean, i just by tripping. I'm, everybody, I'm being, Trevor, What does he do?
2: Just, I'm being facetious, but man, I I will never let go how his crying and whining scenario and tripping at the end of the bench, like. I refuse off moral – I, I morally am opposed to drafting Grayson Allen, so go for it.
1: Trev. he's going to dunk on, on the Troublers this year. Oh, yeah.
2: Well, I mean – No. I doubt it.
1: But can I throw one one thing out there, though? <gasps> what? <laughs> one other thing is that I do feel like – Um, I heard from Locke, once again being the Locke student that I am. He sometimes – especially at the end of the first round and stuff like that, the one way that he analyzes uh, picks or potential picks is who would he not want to see in a Warriors uniform? And he made a point of saying that Grayson Allen being a spot-up shooter, being playing, having that role in the Warriors is one person that he would not want to see.
0: You can take that for what it's worth, but... Yeah, I don't know if I'm taking that for much. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not that scared. I'm not taking... I'm not... I don't have any.
2: I don't think any can in
0: that all. Fear into hey, your we heart, have the, when, the thought of him being in the worst, when before. we have to, when yeah. we
1: have 2019, the mock draft 2019, we're gonna look back on this, all right? And we're gonna see that Grace Down had a great uh, freshman year. So I just want to make sure this is clear. Yeah, I, I have it on record now.
0: Okay, we have the next pick for the Indiana Pacers, and we're gonna nominate Kade Bates Diop. There wasn't any opposition to this nomination, so we got Kade Bates Diop for 18 bucks, and. On the Ringer's mock draft, he the player comparisons are not very inspirational, and to be honest, I don't love Keta Bates diop But if you look at the Pacers' roster right now, there is a gaping hole at the three and the four positions. Pretty much, you have um, well, yeah, Boyan. You have Lance Stevenson, Thaddeus Young opted out. Hopefully, we can retain him. But anyway, we're desperate for some floor spacers for our guys Miles Turner and Sabonis at the five. So I like Bates Diop's versi- versatility. I think he can step in next year and play a role. Uh, he has an eight eleven standing reach, 7, seven three and change wingspan. So he's got the measurables. Not an athlete, but he is a shooter. Uh, well, he's supposed to be a shooter. I mean, he shot 36% as an upperclassman, but he... Um, he shouldered quite a bit of the load at Ohio State. Hopefully, we'll be able to generate some more open looks for him. And there it is, KBD. I don't know if people call him that, but we're taking it. Yeah, I've heard, I've heard it before. I've heard it before.
1: And I do think, once oh, again... the
0: comparisons are Jonas Drebko, Brian Scalabrini, and Bobby Simmons. Bobby Simmons <laughs> had one good year for the Clippers. Scalabrini had one good <laughs> playoff series for the Nets. And Jonas Drebko, yeah. We're still
1: waiting on him have a good series but uh I do think KBD um the versatility is definitely a plus though he he's he's versatile he's long he's he's a really good rebounder I think those are all things that uh can translate I think it's not a sexy pick by any stretch of the imagination but there's enough there to at least make it
2: um as GM of the Denver Nuggets, I nominate Chandler Hutchinson from Boise State. Uh, there's really no money left, so he's mine. Uh, didn't have any opposition. He, In terms of all the mock drafts, he's like the highest, one of the highest players ranked left that is available to me. So I'm going to be honest, I'm going somewhat blind to this and trusting that, which is kind of stupid because I don't trust a lot of the mocks sometimes. I did see, I did watch him play, um, Oregon this year when he played at Boise State and Boise State beat Oregon. And, uh, the Nuggets need wings. They don't need someone. He's not going to be a ball handler. Um, he had, it was kind of a turnover machine, uh, at Boise State and tried too much. But with Jokic having the ball so much and then Jamal Murray as well, they just need, a a guy who has size who can be another 3 and D guy. And I know we kept saying 3 and D, 3 and D, and it's like every player left in this draft is a 3 and D guy. But truly, I think that is the biggest asset in the NBA right now. You look at the Rockets and the series that just went between the Warriors, and you need as many guys who can play D and shoot the 3 as possible. And he projects to be able to do that. So I think he's a good fit for the Nuggets at this point in the draft.
1: Yeah, I think it's a great pick too. I definitely think that... Chandler Hutchinson is one of those guys that's gonna we're gonna look back and and think wow we took he was you know that he fell that far or he we took him that low, I think he actually has a lot of really good NBA tools. He's he's athletic. He can shoot. He can score. He can play make. He can do a lot of things. And I actually really
0: I'm actually pretty high on Hutchinson. Guys, I'm gonna throw some shade on Hutchinson. Not I'm not as high. I just think his uh his good college skill is and he is older. Um, he is a senior. I think he's good at uh, playmaking off the bounce, but when he's on a team with other NBA players, I don't think that's going to be the play that you're going to want. I don't think you're going to want to go to Chandler Hutchison playmaking for you. And his shot, I don't trust his shot at all. He kind of retooled it. And the defense, the tools are there, but he he devoted the majority of his energies to offense. So the one way I could see him sticking is if he... Um, if he devotes his energies to the defensive end, can he be Wilson Chandler? No, Wilson Chandler's way more talented, way more more versatile shooter.
1: All
2: right. Well, Colt, Colt, and Hutchinson, Dan's not,
1: and then this was
2: super high on Grayson Allen. Dan's not, so we'll see who's right at, in a year from now.
1: And Grayson's going to to Hawks University. What do they call it?
2: Jacob Evans will be better than both of them, so that for you all.
0: Well, Hawks University doesn't exist anymore because Brunenholzer's gone. Yeah, Bud, Bud's true. gone.
2: The, be- the best wing university in the NBA now is Terry Hot take. Tell me I'm wrong.
0: Wow, hot okay. take. Okay, Celtics here. We have our pick of whatever player we want because we have $15. The only two other teams that have money are the Warriors and the Nets, and they have less than us. So we're just going to snag Josh Okogie, uh, we love his projectability on defense. Also a little bit how he shoots his form reminds me of Jalen Brown when he was at Cal. So maybe whatever magic dust we sprinkled on Jalen Brown, we can sprinkle on him. And yeah, this guy, if he's surra- if he doesn't have to do too much, which he definitely had to do too much at Georgia Tech, I think he can be fine efficiency wise. And the defense, I don't think there should be a question about that.
1: Yeah, and I and I, I'm gonna chime in here because I, I love it. Yeah. We I, love him too. Uh, That's how we got him. Yeah. Well you you should be very happy. So I mean just some of the measurables real quick. Seven foot wingspan. Ran this he ran the second fastest third three quarters. I'm a nerd. Sprint. Tell me more, tell me um, more. Um very fast. Uh I just think that overall that let me just go on record also here and say that I don't think him and Lonnie Walker are that much different, and yet they're gonna be drafted probably like fifteen, sixteen draft picks I'm apart. Hot which I think tick. is unique. Um but Okogie, I mean, the thing is, he—I don't think he's really elite at any one thing, but he's going to be good at everything. He he can dribble the ball. I've seen him play make a little bit from Georgia Tech. He had a lot, he had a big load there. I love that he's still only nineteen and he's played two years at Georgia Tech. He's going to turn nineteen right. in in uh, I think it's September. He's going to turn twenty. Sorry, in September, he some of his highlight blocks. He can play defense. He, his shooting is a little bit slow. I think the release needs to be sped up a little bit, but, and a little bit maybe a low release point. But other than that, I mean, he has a potential. I think
0: here to to really be elite and good. Nice, all good. Okay. in Town. So, Who are the Warriors taken?
2: So, as the GM of the Warriors, uh, I nominate Dante uh, Divincenzo, and he's mine because there's no real competition yet. And if you look at um, the Warriors' roster construction, it's actually kind of interesting. They they waived a wing at the end of the season, Caspi, and. They had a glut of centers who had a hard time playing between Jordan Bell, David West, Javel McGee, Kevon Looney, uh, and Zaza Pachulia. And then in an NBA where you need wing depth, they kind of struggled against it in the Rockets for a bit. They were kind of, I mean, Quinn Cook had to play closing minutes in the fourth game. So I'm not saying DiVincenzo will do that, but the Warriors need another wing to add because they're actually kind of don't have much depth there if they do have a couple injuries. So. The guy can shoot. He had a crazy March Madness tournament. I mean, he's the type of guy, if he, I don't even think he needs to play for a couple of years, but if he learns around Klay Thompson, I think he has the tools to be able to become a really good shooter. So who knows?
0: I think he kind of took us for a ride with his shooting display in the national championship game. I don't know what kind of high he was on, but I mean, he was splashing from everywhere. But you look at the numbers and that's not necessarily what happened during the entire season. And, but props to him for riding this wave into the, um, I mean, I don't doubt his heart and he's not scared of the bright lights.
2: No, he's not.
0: He's from Delaware. I think that's a good pick though. Okay. I am the last GM of the Nets. I was hoping to make a splash in some of the earlier auctions, but unfortunately I don't have a lot of money. I have 14 bucks. We have this picks from the Damari Carroll trade last year and the Raptors had to go out and just be world beaters and finish with the second best record. So we ate, um we have the 29th pick and which only gives us $14. I'm just talking like so much. Uh, so we at the Nets are all about upside. It came down to Kyrie Thomas and Zana Musa for us and we're actually going to take Zana Musa. Did you say
1: upside? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And Zana Musa, he's got herky-jerky dribble game to the rim. He's kind of goofy looking. Uh, we don't know much about him. He hasn't played against high competition. Uh, I I hate his jumper, actually. Like His jumper is really ugly. Like He kicks his right leg way out, and his release is inconsistent. But like I said, we're all about upside. He doesn't really have upside on defense, now that I'm talking about it. But <laughs> I mean, we're at the we're at the back half of the draft. We got fourteen dollars to work with, and Kyrie Thomas doesn't have any upside either, so Musa at least could be a dynamic offensive player. He shows chops for uh getting to the basket, and that's premium skill.
2: The ringer ringer says he could be a jumbo Jordan Crawford.
0: Oh my gosh, I love Jordan a, Crawford.
2: Or a Mondo Marco Bellinelli. So
0: what is the ringer on comparing him to Marco Bellinelli? <laughs> what the? Get your craft together, <laughs> <the> ringer.
2: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know much about him, to be honest, but I love anyone from Bosnia, so I'm rooting for him.
0: Rodney Hood? What the? Is that another one? Maybe for him? that's because his wingspan is like less than his <laughs> height. <laughs> All right.
2: Yeah, so I'll do a quick review of my picks. My if I'm the Suns and I actually leave with Luka Don, Doncic and uh, Wendell Carter Jr., I feel really good about that duo. Uh, leading me into the future, so I feel like I just crushed that. But in reality, I don't that's probably not going to happen. Wendell Carter will be off the board. Um let's see my other pick that I the other pick that I really like is Okobo for the Timberwolves. I just I really think they need a playmaking point guard. Uh, with Carl Anthony Towns around, which they don't have another playmaker. So that's honestly probably my like second favorite pick in terms of value, uh, that I got besides Jaron Jackson for the Kings. I'm gonna, I'm gonna end by saying once again, I had the, I had the first two picks in the draft, like the Suns and the Kings are the first two picks. And I reflected that by choosing who I think the, the two safest picks are in this draft, which are Luka Doncic and Jaron Jackson. Um, and I'm, so I feel really good about my pick.
0: Okay, and your other picks, uh, you had the Clippers, the two Clippers picks. You got Robert Williams and Zaire Smith. For the Nuggets, you got Chandler Hutchison. For the Blairs, you got um, Jacob Evans. For the Lakers, Troy Brown. And the Warriors, Dante DiVincenzo. Okay. Cole here, and I began with
1: the Atlanta Hawks. We chose DeAndre Ayton. For the Grizzlies, Grizzlies, we took Bagley. For the Mavericks, we had Michael Porter Jr. The Magic, we had Trey Young. Wizards, we took Mitchell Robinson. Milwaukee Bucks, we took Jerome Robinson. San Antonio Spurs, Lonnie Walker. The Hawks, we we took Sexton. The Jazz, we took Kevin Herter. And the Hawks, we finished with Grayson Allen. So the big haul there would would I feel are the Hawks, being coming away
0: with Deandre Ayton, Colin Sexton, and Grayson Allen. Okay, and Dan here, I had the Bulls. We had two picks. We got Mobamba and Melvin Frazier. The Cavs came away with Kevin Knox. The Knicks came away with Miles Bridges. The Sixers came away with Aaron Holiday and McCall Bridges. Hornets uh, got Shea Gilgis-Alexander, which was my target for them. The Pacers got Keita Bates-Diop. The Celtics had Josh Akogi and the Nets, Zano Musa. All right, so now we're going to look at the Ringer mock and what the expected dollar values bids at the outset of this auction mock were and what the players actually ended up being sold for, and talk about who had the biggest difference in both the positive and the negative direction. So as far as players that were severely underbid from what was expected, DeAndre Ayton came in at $17 under. But granted, his expected dollar amount was $13 higher than any other because he was projected to be the number one pick. So there's a $13 difference between number one and number two. Um so just so, a slight discount. Yeah, he, he still went for pretty high. He went for 60 bucks, so but it was 17 under what was expected. Marvin Bagley was $13 under expected because according to the Ringer Mock, he's slated to go in second to the Kings. But according to our bids that were placed and accepted, he went way lower than that. Other standouts that were under bid, uh Michael Porter went $4 less than expected. Macal Bridges went $6 less than expected. Colin Sexton went $7 less than expected. Anybody else standing out on this? Uh, Troy Brown went $7 less than expected. Um, other than that, we were in the ballpark. As far as players that were overbid on, and once again, these are players that Cole, Trev, and I probably thought higher of than what the ringer mock thought. So Luka Doncic, we spent $3 more. Than expected. Uh Jaron Jackson, we spent $17 more than expected. Trev was really high on him for the Kings and snagged him for $17 more than expected. Trey Young went for $7 more. Uh Miles Bridges, $6 more than expected. Shea Gil- Gilgis Alexander, $7 more. Oh, this is making me feel like I overbid a lot. Uh Chandler Hutchison $8 more. And every everyone else was in the ballpark. Okay, so before we go, we do want to review some of our second-round sleepers. That's always a fun draft topic. Trev had to leave really quick, so Cole and I will give you our thoughts on who didn't get picked that could have an NBA career. And it's funny, like looking back at these drafts, a lot of times you'll find the same amount of players in the second round as in the latter half of the first round that actually stick in the NBA. So these are good and legitimate predictions to make. But
1: I, I think one for me that just sticks out is just... Anthony Simmons Simmon, Simons, Simons. Anthony Simons is another one of those guys that's just interesting. Skipped obviously uh, he went to a year at the IMG Academy instead of doing college. Uh super athletic, super I mean he's just one of those really raw talents that I think is definitely going to be worth a with a draft pick in the second round.
0: Yeah, I am really intrigued by DeAnthony Melton, the point guard from USC who sat out a year and cuz he was wrapped up in that scandal, he had an underwhelming freshman season offensively but showed the defensive chops and he showed out really well at the five on five combine also looking down this uh kenrich williams from tcu very versatile defender shot the ball well from three but not well from free throw um hard to know how that translates but he's got a good all-around game that could fit into any team who else you got Cole?
1: another one that i have is landry (laughs) Shamit. He's more towards the end of the second round, but I think that's, once again, just going to be a steal. I mean, that guy's a baller, and he he knows how to
0: he knows how to play. Yeah. Oh, and next to him in this mock that I'm looking at, my guy Kevin Hervey from UT Arlington. Lanky dude, but gets buckets. He kind of reminds me of Chris Middleton. He kind of likes to operate in the same areas. Put the ball on the ground a lot in college. Probably wouldn't be asked to do that in the NBA, but does have shooting touch and like a 7'3 wingspan. I like that guy a lot. Also... Trayvon Duvall I think is somebody you have to look at if you look at um recruiting lists going into college pretty much all of the top 10 is all accounted for in this draft and there's one in the first round of this draft I should say there's one big outlier and it's Trayvon Duvall he slipped quite a bit maybe took on too big a responsibility too early at Duke but he has all the tools um got to fix that jump shot but other than that he's somebody I think you look at Anybody and else? then just
1: the very last one that I threw out there was Diallo. I think Diallo is yeah. also somebody that you definitely want to take a flyer on
0: second round. Yeah. Oh, I got, I got one more actually. Bruce Brown from Miami broke his foot halfway through the season. Got off to a rough start um, earlier on. If he would have declared last year, he would have been a first rounder. And he he's just extremely athletic and can defend three positions. And that's probably it. All right, here's where we send you off, guys. hope that you're better prepared for the draft on Thursday after listening to this. And we'll see you next year, hopefully sooner than a year.